0: State Smith State Smith
1: with Zach Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I've got another fantastic guest for you today. There may or may not be video. The, it, you know, I'll do my best. We'll see, folks. We'll see. And if you are, you know, if you're riled up about that, you can go fuck your mother because this is a podcast and it's a listening platform. I get it. You want to see me fucking sit here in a Nike vest and fucking, you know, spew whatever misinformation and hatred that's driving you to your next homicide, I get it. I like visual stimulus too, but you might not get it, but you might get it, so I don't know why I'm getting all riled up. Um, I have a, a fantastic guest. I, I was actually quite, uh, as far as timing goes and scheduling, I was very, very rude um, insofar as, as scheduling the, the time of this recording. Um, I pushed it back for one. Um, the night before we we started recording, and then this morning, I mean, it was been it's just been a retarded morning for me, um, and it wasn't. Listen, I knew it was going to be busy, which is why I pushed it back. Uh, but I will say that my morning and my schedule this morning was not aided in any way by the behavior of others if you get it, if you know what I mean, right? I was standing at a CVS line, okay? I was standing in the line at CVS, and the guy fucking behind me was telling me how he used to work at a manufacturing plant where they uh, they distributed uh, parts for heavy machinery. And he started breaking down the components of the, not even heavy machinery, just the the particular parts of, you know, uh automobiles and fucking, and engines that go into, you know, like, forklifts or whatever, I don't I don't know, and I did a- end up getting into it with him a little bit, not by, not intentionally, I, I was in a bad mood this morning, I was on a very, I was on a lack of sleep, and I turned around to him, and I respectfully, I said this, and I just so you know, people who I'm talking to, I will be introducing him very soon. I'm being selfish and telling a story before I introduce my guest. But this is what I said to him, Sam. I turned around okay. and I I respectfully, as respectfully as I could possibly say it, I said, Sir, I don't care to hear about this anymore. That's what I said. That's all I said. I didn't say anything. And then he got a little irritable. And then immediately I switched from being respectful to we're standing in line at CVS, what the fuck are you doing, what are you, and then he ended up leaving the line, and he went to the self-checkout, which I don't know why I didn't do that in the first place, but it, you know, it's, we're here. Folks, very interesting backstory on this guest, um, was en route to be a educator, a teacher, um, and and he'll he'll explain this more in depth, but uh ended up quitting his master's degree in education due to problems that he saw in academia in the education process. Um, and you have how many undergrads? Like four? You have four undergraduate degrees? Uh Before, three oh, wow, undergrad degrees. Before we even do that, just tell everybody where they can find you on social media.
2: Yeah, so uh I'm most uh active on Twitter and my podcast uh twitter is at ill underscore scholar um and then my podcast is the illegitimate scholar which i'll um i'll send zach a link so he can uh put it in the description and yeah. uh that's on you know all platforms mostly on spotify and uh, apple
1: yeah there's an overlap of of we clearly uh and you mentioned this in your email to me you said the uh, our the names of our podcasts have a bit of an overlap because you know i'm hosting right now the unfit statesman and you are the illegitimate scholar it's it's basically we chose like paradoxical you know yeah an adjective that describes something that's supposed to be not the adjective that describes it that's basically what exactly we, yeah
2: so, yeah, it did uh it I, when I saw the name I was like wow this this is perfect and I started listening to your podcast I was like yeah it is perfect but like just with the names yeah. I was like yeah there's I gotta talk to this guy.
1: Yeah, and it's um you know also plugs up front for me uh, we we recorded the unjected show last night uh, we got a shout out whoever was the I forget Matt Baker was the guest on Alex Jones's show he shouted us out um, so go. Go check out the Injected show. Go to my Patreon. Don't be a fag. Go over there. Um, so, so let me ask you something. Um, you know, college-aged Sam Urban, you're moving into the education doctrine. And um, how how many years before? How many years into your master's degree did you go into? Was it? Uh, you know a, a semester a couple semesters a, a, an entire year like what when did you drop out so
2: um so first off like college age i was uh so i was in the marine Corps for four years before i even went to college so okay. i was in the marine Corps for four years and then uh, i started college at 22. um and obviously i in i was in college for for four years uh graduated with the three bachelor's degrees but i it the program was bachelor's and master's. Together, And I finished the bachelor's, which was, you know, it was uh, 30, 30 hours, semester hours of uh, education classes, along with my history and my anthropology degree. And then I was, uh, I had done my student teaching, you know, did my practice, all certified. And then I, uh, there, we started our master's, which is one year. And in the summer, uh, where the master's started, it's a one year, it's like an 11 month program, I quit like three months in, in because I I just – I wasn't going to do it, and I I didn't need the master's.
1: So, okay. So, w- I guess at that point, you were a bit of a – like, because when I went to – you and I had different college experiences then because when I went to college, I truly was clueless. I was, like, straight out of high school. I was just fucking, you know um, – I didn't give a shit about politics. I didn't give a shit about – I cared about altering the, my state of mind with mm. external substances. Yeah. Illicit Yeah, I did a little bit of that as well. illegal substances. Um what was the dro- so let's let's kind of you know, let's let's create a narrative here surrounding your choice to drop out. I what I would like you to do if you can um tell me the first you know, the first moment you kind of realized, oh, hey, th- maybe this isn't amazing. Maybe this isn't. Maybe we're not just educating young minds to the truth of history and of politics and and and, you know, uh, you know, civil society and economy and th- So, so tell me when, like, tell me the spark. We'll get to the. We'll get to the jumping off point as we move on but like what was the very first little twinkle in your eye when you went hey what is this what are we doing
2: so definitely the the first big one and there were, there were a number of them after this but the first big one especially related to curriculum was that i was in a in a class uh, of history educators and the guy who led our class the professor, he did a lot of stuff with the Holocaust, which is fine, a lot of stuff with the genocide, a lot of stuff with Holocaust. And I brought up a point one day in class, that the Holocaust is discussed more than other genocides, and it's put in a position of prominence. Uh, no, no, I, I I didn't say that. I mean, possibly, but I didn't say that, Um, you know, what, what I said in class, the point is that what I said in class was like, hey, we, we should maybe talk about Native American genocide, too. And okay. um, essentially, and The professor got very upset with me, accused me of talking about uh, anti-Semitic tropes, accused me of um, of like being a voice for anti-Semitism. And my response was one of the things that I had said was was that maybe we don't talk about Native American genocide as much because there are uh, Jewish people in positions of authorities and there's more funding for Holocaust research. Not that the Holocaust didn't happen, but I wanted to ex- explore why there's more prominence for it to the point-, point where genocide in the United States is actually called Holocaust and genocide studies, which puts the Holocaust in a position of prominence in people's minds above other things. Um, and and the, the twist side of that is that when there's other genocides going on, like today in Myanmar and China and in Yemen, in Yemen perpetuated by the United States, um, when we say things like never again, and we discuss a genocide from 80 years ago, we're perhaps making it easier to to dismiss genocides that are viewed by academics as lesser. And when I was accused of being anti-Semitic for this, I was kind of blown away. I, you know, I didn't think that I would be anti-Semitic at all to, to want to talk about other genocides as much as the Holocaust, rather than, um, you know, it's not like I don't want to talk about the Holocaust. Right. And that was one of the first
1: ones. So it was like a it was a situation where you were persecuted for like open and free thought. Um yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. And, and one of the things I would say most likely the reason that 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 the Holocaust is more prevalent than um you know, the the genocide of the Native Americans is because that the Jewish people have done quite well post their uh, trials and tribulations, so they have more influence in the telling of their history than the Native Native Americans do. Um, and the Native Americans, like you, you know, it, we don't really we don't really delve into Native American history here. in, in this, in I mean, oddly enough, the 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 most relevant source of Native Americans and and hi- the most r- rich history belongs here in North America and South America. We don't tell. Uh, Native American history very well There's this There was You remember the um, I don't know if it was An article that was written Or a tweet by some New York Times writer That said that rape didn't exist On the North American continent Until the Europeans got here And it's like Oh yeah, no, you know nothing (laughs) You know nothing about Native American history Because they were wild They were wild Yeah they would fuck you yeah. up. They didn't give it. They were also shit. much more
2: culturally diverse as well.
1: Very yeah. culturally
2: diverse. So yeah. there people that were peaceful, and then there were plenty of people that were way more warlike than others, like the Comanche, the Apache,
1: uh, the, the Iroquois Sioux. were
2: pretty warlike to their neighbors.
1: The Sioux were fucking violent, violent. dude. Yes. Uh, I so I grew up in South Dakota, yes. and uh, it's that's very Sioux heavy Lakota, mm-hmm. Oglala, a lot of uh, uh, you know, and they had like. To use a lack of a better term, subsidiaries of bigger. So, like when they say the Sioux, that's that could be the Lakota, that can be the Oglala, uh, There's other, and then there's and then there's different, like the Rosebud, and and so there's different. You know, uh, it's it's not as um, general as you know the history that we're taught mm-hmm. is, and yeah. the Sioux were quite violent. Um, the Sioux were quite violent toward everybody i mean they pushed the cheyenne out and moved them toward wyoming um the mm-hmm. cheyenne were violent toward i forget who it was so, and there's this thing where like stolen land there's this idea of stolen land it's like yeah yes it's 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 fair to title it stolen land but also just so you know they stole it from another tribe and that tribe stole it from somebody else and that tribe stole it from another tribe and it just goes on and on and on. And so yeah I mean this it, it, I, I, I could see how you know I mean even you bringing up the fact that that Native American history is not discussed particularly in in the sense of like large amounts of them dying at the hands of another uh, of another culture. Mm-hmm. um you know i mean that's just the jumping off point of of native american history but it's it's yeah it's not taught at all and there's this thing where we think that the you know it's it there's this thing it, it's it's a it's 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 bad and it's good but american history is taught from the point when the europeans got here and that's because the europeans yeah. wrote yeah. the history books but mm-hmm. I'm going to
2: plug a book that I've read not my own book but there's a great book by a guy called Charles Mann that's called 1491 that's about you know the history before Columbus gets here. Uh you know a lot of it's destroyed unfortunately because yeah. you know it comes in a lot of it was oral and the people died mostly by disease so we don't have it but you know they try their best.
1: Right. Um but yeah so so yeah I think the the point is is well made that we we don't teach true history here and I think one of the things that that you were doing in that moment is pointing out the fact that you're like, Hey, what the, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, so, so that happens. You, you point this out, you're um, censured for it and scolded. However minutely it was, but it, 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 it definitely, you, you clearly saw something there. You clearly saw you, you were clearly affected in the sense that you didn't feel like you could have just you could just brainstorm you could just openly think and and speak. So from that particular point, let's go to sort of the rising action of this narrative. Was there more and more of this or was it just stuck in your head or so so tell me like some of the more things that, uh, you know, pushed you to the crescendo of, of. Yeah, that.
2: So this professor was a very—he um, was a really vindictive guy, and you know I wasn't really willing to back down, um, and it—it it was fine was for he, me. Was
1: he? I was he a twink or was he overweight?
2: Um, I, I would describe him as as a short bear, definitely a a, a stocky bear, like a like bear like like hairy and fat, but stork. Is
1: is that the word for it? No, no, no. I'll take it's, that. It's Brian Stelter. Oh, for, Brian Seltzer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, close yeah, he's a Yeah. He's a thumb. He's a D was. battery.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, th- this isn't as fun or related to history, but there was also a situation where I I, told somebody that I had inf- information about somebody who was currently employed as a high school teacher um, who had, you know, made some... Sexual advances to high school age girls that I had definitive proof of, um, and essentially it was ignored. Um, and this led me to uh, both of these situations led me to do a lot of research. Um, you know, you discussed the the cultural prominence that Jewish people have in America, which mm-hmm. people would say is anti-Semitic to talk about. But when you compare Native Americans, who are two percent of the population, and Jewish people, who are two percent of the population and you see the difference in the amount of uh, power they can exert in in our culture especially when you know congress people it's like 8% jewish 2% population native americans it's less than 2% for 2% population um but shit i'm sorry what what was your question again so just, i answered just, the first part
1: yeah so just like were there any more instances that stood out to you that led you to the decision to drop out
0: okay
2: yes so i I mean i did my student teaching i was before i did my student teaching which is really intense it's a few months you teach a full course load um i was kind of already deciding that i didn't really want to do this but i wanted to get through that um and when i went there the teachers i worked with they um i had a, a history teacher tell students in a high school classroom that in slavery in other parts of the world besides the united states States. Slavery in the Western Hemisphere, the slaves were chattel slavery. What does that mean? Which was bad, but in other parts of the world- Hold up. Chattel slavery? Yeah, so- Oh, sorry, you're breaking up a little bit.
1: Oh, yeah, so so what, you, you said the teacher said that in other parts of the world, slavery was chattel slavery. What is chattel? What is that? So-
2: what she said was in the United States the slavery was chattel slavery. Oh, okay. Where okay. so what is somebody, chattel? Yeah. What is chattel, chattel slavery? Is when the slaves are are treated as property and then their kids are slaves as well. It's like uh it's it's like a social class that's built into society.
1: So chattel it, like legitimate. But which which is true. Like cattle? Like chattel like cattle, they're treated like Like farm animals, kind of like they, they, you know, you breed, you, yeah, okay, yeah, and
2: it's true of that being the case in the United States as well as the rest of the Western Hemisphere. But what she had said, she told the students this that the rest of the world, when there were slaves, they just got to go home after a while. Like those were the exact words that she said. Um, and I'm, I'm in the back of the class thinking about
1: an, an indentured servitude type of, you know like that yeah. she was, that's how she was presenting it,
2: it you're right which is just not true i mean the aztecs it's not true you know it's not true at all i mean the mongols ran slaves into fill up moats to to run over them to Dude, go in. like the, the northern
1: yeah. african dynasties were brutal to their slaves mm-hmm. brutal. yeah
2: absolutely brutal um and that slavery was based on religion as opposed to race and actually the the arab uh uh, slave trading which was much longer than the transatlantic uh they took more slaves from eastern europe than uh than slaves that were brought to the united states in that time period not that by slavery a good, wasn't bad by, plenty more were brought amount. to the rest of the Western Hemisphere. by a good yeah, amount by it, the way it's a lot
1: i think yeah. and i don't know how true this is but at one point i did read that it, uh, when the europeans had landed on on the shores of northwestern africa around Half of the population at that point were enslaved. Um, and there's this idea that yeah. Europeans mm-hmm. came in and stole a bunch of Africans and took them to the New World. Nope they we they traded. They they gave the the upper class of the African dynasties guns and yeah. different types of food and seeds and yeah. spices, and they gave them slaves that's how things worked back then there's so it's yeah you're right there's a very generalized history that are taught to us here in america about slavery like somehow you know slavery didn't exist until the europeans went to africa stole a bunch of africans brought them back here and started it it's like you're you know slavery you have no idea how old the tradition of slavery is yeah, it, it's it goes, as old as cities. Essentially, it's, just, it's as old as almost as old as humans. Yeah, like from when whenever we broke off uh, from our common progenitor that we share with the great apes. About then, it's about then. That's when it started.
2: Yeah. So uh, it, this this really gets into what I generally do, and what I what I generally do is you know there's a lot of pop history. There's lots of pop history podcasts there are not as many pop anthropology podcasts and anthropology like is the study of humans. Uh, Most of what I do is cultural anthropology. Um, And most of anthropology, most of people who like anthropology are like blue haired alphabet people. Yeah, they're the types of people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, The types of people who call pedophiles maps, those are the types of people that are in anthropology. Um, so when I look at, uh, most of what I do is social constructs. So I look at the social constructs and the way that people in universities prioritize certain information over others, like obviously, you bring up the West African uh, civilizations, but the the common argument to dismiss that is just that, oh, they, they weren't the ones who were shipping them, they like the Europeans created the market. So in all these social constructs, there's ways that they that they legitimize certain information, they they put certain information into prominence, and they deep deprioritize other information. And they do this by, you know, layers of social construction, where they are deciding the definitions of words, they're deciding what's important, what's not important. And because all social constructs work to perpetuate themselves, these are people who are in these universities, a lot of times, the funding that is given to them is based on what they're willing to teach and research. And so what is perpetuated is what those in the highest positions of authority want to be pushed. Um, So they're not going to talk about the prominence of West African uh, slave empires. They're going to, you know, make a movie like The Woman King and have fucking uh, a a group of women soldiers who were made into women soldiers because a lot of the men were dying in these fucking wars. And then those women soldiers then went on to take slaves, but they're going to produce a Hollywood movie where they don't even bring up that these were people who were slaving because of the optics of it. And they want to present the history in a certain way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. it's very interesting how for the uh, purposes of, of you know, sort of conforming to a modern narrative, how they, you know, cut corners in history. And I think it's a I think it's a shame not because I like I like there are Republicans who are like, you got a fucking te-. It's like it's not even that it's not even for the purposes of proving that you know, the straight white man isn't as bad as they say. It's not even for that. It's like what you're doing is you're you're discounting a nuance of, of these cultures and of these demographics, um, and that takes away that, – that, that does take away from how people can relate to them. That, you know, there's this idea yeah. that not teaching African history – it, you know, it's like not telling black people in America that Africans owned slaves, other black people. They owned other black people, just like whites mm-hmm. did here, just like Europeans did here, that it's somehow, you know, good for black people. I don't think so. I think it's good for. Uh, you know, it's good to teach how things were, because then you realize that instead of everything being based around a racial centric. Uh, you know, sort of orb that everybody wanders around, and it has its own orbit, and everybody's just walking around it in circles like sheep. You know, there's there's more nuance there. It's hierarchy, it's mm-hmm. power, it's money, just like we see today. And so, mm-hmm. and to discount, you know, by by erasing that, first of all, all you all you're doing is erasing, um, African power from history which is bad that's not good shouldn't do that especially seeing as they got the fucking romans through their uh their famine right Mm -hmm. they helped them the, the african dynasties helped the romans build their aqueducts the famous aqueducts that you see today and so it's like all you're doing by leaving out the fact that africans the, or I should say African dynasties, Northern African dynasties were quite brutal toward their slaves. Cause you want to leave that particular part out. All you're doing is not teaching how powerful they were. That's right. all you're doing. And it's, it's like, yeah. it's a shame. It, it, you know, and I think that one of the things that the left does more so than the right is they assume that, you know, people aren't ready to hear something. They're not ready to hear this. They can't yeah. handle emotion. It's like, dude, what do you, what the, there? people have gone through, in today's uh, day and age, people have gone through horrors that are unthinkable. They've watched, I'm sure, they've watched a family member be decimated by cancer. They watch them be healthy. They watched them, can you imagine as a parent? Your child, you watch them grow up, be healthy, be strong, start a family. Then all of a sudden they're just decimated by a this thing inside them that they can't even see. The horror in that is so much more than whatever you think you're protecting them from. So stop fucking treating people like their children. It's, it, yeah. you know, it's and, and that, again, that's I. So I keep interrupting you. Um, no, no, you're good. You're good. So it's OK. So you you have these these things that clearly you and I are on the same page of, you know, why the censorship and why the um, selectiveness of education in this country is not good. But. Um, all right. So you you have a few more of these instances where it's clear you go, this is not. You know, you, this is lacking context. You're teaching something that is clearly a political agenda, not a historical fact. Mm-hmm. Um. So tell me the um the jumping off point. Tell me what pushed you toward the the climax of this, where you went. This is nuts, and I can no longer do this. Because there's a difference between realizing that something, especially if you've spent a like yourself, you've spent years in this in the education system you're 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 getting degrees you're doing this, you spend a lot of money time resources and so there's a difference between realizing that this hey this isn't necessarily what i thought it was and then also you going it's so bad i can't do this anymore so what was the the point where you went this is so bad i can't after all of the the, the time the money the fucking sitting in lectures, taking notes, the tests. Yeah. What was the point where you went? This is worth pushing that aside and moving on.
2: Yeah. So, um, I think like the exact moment would be I I was teaching an American government class, and in this American government class, the topics that I was supposed to teach were essentially chosen for me, um, and I don't really you know believe that. The, what I was teaching was theory. It was the theory of how the government is supposed to work. It's not presented that way, but that's what it is. And like, I taught this whole class and I, I didn't really get to talk about. What I conceived of politics at all. I was teaching, I had to teach a textbook version of like, these are the senators. These are the uh, representatives and this is how they make laws. And I felt like I was just perpetuating, like, people buying into the system that I didn't really believe in because I wasn't able – like, I, I, I taught for three months on American government, and I didn't get to talk about campaign finances one time because it wasn't in the curriculum. And so, so just, I, I mean, like
1: – Just yeah. to clarify, so at at what level were you teaching? Was it high school? Was it college?
2: Um. um so, I, I
1: did – Full.
2: I I did a full semester at a high school where I was teaching sophomores and juniors, um, and I did other semesters um, like interning, basically, in for differences between sixth grade, uh, eighth grade, and another high school.
1: All right. So at least in high school, you're teaching, you're 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 talking to people who have the you know the the mental capacity to comprehend complex thoughts. Um, at least to some degree and my assumption based on my civics class in high school you were teaching about the three the 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 the, the three branches of government government the um Mm -hmm. you know the the checks and balances Mm -hmm. um you know the traditional way of how a law gets passed it starts somebody it's like the uh, the school, or what do you call it? Uh, schoolhouse Rock. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm yeah. only a bill. And and it gets passed. You know, it's the same, you know, in no mention of, of the breach of the non-delegation clause that we see constantly now where senators write up uh, a doctrine that adheres to what's called the intelligible principle, which was put in place by William Howard Taft when he was the attorney general, which allows... Uh, a senator or a representative to basically put down... He basically uh, allows a, a a elected representative to put a bullet point list of goals that they want done and pass it off to the administrative state, uh, wh- wh- whatever that might be. If, if somebody says, I want cleaner air, and that's not a good example because that wouldn't adhere to the intelligible principle because it's too broad, but if they said, I want... Yeah. I want cleaner water in this area based on this problem. And then they pass it off to the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. And then they write up the bill, pass it back to the fucking representative, and they present it to the House. That is a clear breach of the non-delegation doctrine in the, in the uh, Constitution, which says that no person that's not an elected representative can write law um but you know we we have this pseudo governing force that adheres to the constitution a little bit but not really right yeah. we we also cuz progressive so just so people know when i say like the non delegation doctrine was breached when progressives took hold of the government not progressives in the cultural sense progressive governing progressive governing formulates itself on the thesis that we're too big of a country, the problems are too complex for elected representatives to be able to handle all of those problems, which is a, a interesting thought. I'm not shitting on it completely. This idea that elected representatives can't be experts in everything, so why are we allowing them to write laws in fields that they're not experts on. Interesting, very interesting, right? So what they're allowing is that these things get passed off to the bureaucracy and they write them, right? Experts in environment, the FDA, Food experts. and Drug Administration. Yeah. yeah, right, right. And then it, yeah, so they write it and then it comes back to them. Now, you're doing air quotes is the is the problem with that process so we have to there's going to have to be a point where americans choose between progressive governing and constitutional governing progressive governing says we're going to take a chance and say that unelected officials beholden to nobody but Mm -hmm. their agencies will do the right thing and provide us more expertise in these specific niche areas that our elected officials cannot possibly know about, and that will give us the best possible solutioning moving forward. So that's progressive. Constitutionalists say it's actually better to not have uh, anybody who's not an elected official beholden to the the uh, American citizenship uh, to do anything because they're just going to do whatever they want because they if they do something bad there's not going to be any repercussions. So even if somebody is not even if somebody is not a an, an expert in the field, they're still going to try to do their best because it's in their best interest to do so so they can get reelected. And so you mm-hmm. have to choose which one of those scenarios are better. I personally think that the constitutionalist side of it is better because human nature is whatever's best for an individual? If you can incentivize being good to other people and have the reward to that person be based on how good they are to other people. That's probably the best way forward because human nature will always transcend any bullshit, any bullshit structure of hierarchy or government. It'll always transcend that. So my best guess is the constitutionalist way of governing is the best way to go. But maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I'm retarded. I'm mentally retarded. So I don't know.
2: I, I think that the constitutionalist way is, is better. I mean, obviously. Yeah, I think that. But it, it, here's here's a reason why the constitutionalist uh, framework is better. There, there's a, a author named uh, Francis Fukuyama, who is best known for a kind of shitty book called The End of History and the Last Man. Um, but he does a great job it, yeah. on another two-volume book called The – yeah. Um, but what he's done that's really good is The Origins of Political Order. And the origins of political order, um, and there's, there's two volumes to this, they're massive, like 800 page books, I've read both of them. Um, the point is largely that the structures of political order, uh, they, they exist not only for, you know, passing laws, but also, you know, this, this is the idea that bureaucracy built in slowing things down is, is kind of a good thing. Because when you have a a hierarchy that's based on um, that's based on a constitutional order that permeates every single decision that people make, then there's a framework that changes over time that there's a framework that doesn't change over time that people can follow, which keeps the uh, which keeps the country stable. But when you decide that you're just going to start creating the best policies that you possibly want, in this case, by delegating them to uh, to groups that are not protected by the traditional checks and balances that were created in the Constitution, you're then opening it up that there is a situation where other entities in this case, specifically, corporations and special interest groups will see that they have a chance to get in there to push their own policies. And then they will do whatever they can to exploit that because all types of social institutions exist to perpetuate themselves because the individuals in that group need that social institution to expand uh, for their best interest.
1: Yeah. So,
2: yeah. So, go ahead.
1: Oh no, I I just said yeah. I was agreeing with you.
2: <laughs> I uh yeah. It, it broke up for a second. Sorry, that's there is happened we're, we're having
1: a weird like, I don't know if it's my internet connection or yours, but we're having a little probably. Weird... Uh, I'm I hope it can't. It comes
2: out okay. It might be mine.
1: I'm hook and locked, so we're good to go. Okay, sweet. Um. Yeah, but so so so. I guess we didn't get to the exact. So, just the exact moment where you went, I'm done. Oh,
2: um, I, you know, it, the t- to be honest, the exact moment is unrelated to even the education. The exact moment was, it was two thirty. My class had just went out. I looked out the window. It was a gorgeous like spring day, like seventy degrees and sunny. And I was like, I don't want to be locked in this fucking classroom. Like, I don't I don't want to do So this. It,
1: there was a personal component to the decision I mean if I was
2: able to teach what I wanted to teach like obviously I still want to teach social studies that's still what I do I'm still I'm I'm doing the podcast right. instead I have a I've been at this for four months I have a larger audience than any of my teachers or professors ever had I reach more people than they do already so the fact that I'm doing it I'm, I'm happy with that um You know, I I wanted to be somewhere where I could talk about what I wanted to talk about. That wasn't the place to do it. So um, this is the place to do it. So this is what I'm doing. And there's also like there's the push and the pull factors that I was what I was doing on the side. My side gig became like enough to supplement my income for full time so I can concentrate on this.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, there's, Um, there's a new there's certainly like new media has educated a lot of people. Um, about things that would have never been even thought to to, to, to be a curriculum in in mm-hmm. traditional American education. I actually, uh, I have
2: a lot to say on that. It, unless you have something else.
1: No, I don't. I'm yeah. dumb, dude.
2: Keep no, going. No, <laughs> you're good. You're not dumb. I, I've listened to a few hours of you talk at this point. You are not dumb. So here's, in traditional, so I've been talking a lot about Social constructions. You know what I mean when I say social construction.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Wait, so like it, a, I mean, a... like a like a m like, like a manipulated, uh, a manipulated environment that forces people to interact with other people in a certain way. Is that what you mean by that?
2: Yeah, but it's more basic than that because, like, you know, pretty much the words that we speak are social constructions in the sense that, like, there are certain things that are innate. That's like your genetics. Those are unchanged. Yeah changing and then there are social constructions and those are culturally informed so any yes the concept of whiteness is a social construction so what you traditionally have is you have these institutions of higher learning that they change over time but they are created by people who are different than the average person you know in in the middle ages or, or we'll say the colonial era in the colonial era they have Harvard and Yale only the rich aristocrats are going to them. It's different today, kind of not really, to be honest, but uh, um only the rich aristocrats go to these universities. And what they produce is reflective of the people that go to those universities and create the products. But and by products, I mean, like they, they create their knowledge, they write their stuff down, whatever they fucking do, they they, they jerk off in their fucking books, okay, whatever the whatever they do. So, uh, but today, you know, in the 90s, the 2000s, You know, what you traditionally have is the only people who can put out media are the people who have the capital. They have the income, the money, not the income, but the the money, the capital to create these large institutions that can then broadcast on television, radio. You can't do it easily. So what happens is that what people watch, what people consume and listen to is then not a reflection of what people actually want to watch. It's a reflection of what people want to watch, given their current options. Very similar to like voting between a Democrat and Republican. It's not true choice. It's the choice of the options given by a social construct. And the social construct is giving you certain choices based on what that social construct wants. But when you have the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, what you have, there is a there's a huge lowering of the barrier of entry for people to be able to produce content for others to consume. So if you can, if you can start a YouTube channel with, like, an old laptop that you record shitty on with a shitty mic, but you're saying something that people respond to and latch on and will share, then you can become, you know, you can become a content creator that has a large audience, you look at someone like Joe Rogan. He's more popular than any traditional news media, any any traditional media at all. He has a larger audience. So traditionally, to even get to the point where you are being presented to a bunch of people, you have to go through these traditional gatekeepers. And there's a barrier of entry to that to people who don't have as much money or the traditional gatekeepers are not willing to let you in. But today, any fucking jackass like us with a microphone can push their stuff out. And that creates a situation where views that were, would have never been represented in traditional media are now represented.
1: Yeah. It's, and there it, is a
2: lot of cultural implications to that.
1: It. Uh, I mean, we've seen... Uh, and it, the big thing that that is, you know, the, the conspiracy theory narrative that's pushed in the mainstream media, the dangers of conspiracy theorists, all centers on the distrust of the mainstream narrative and the government and uh you know again this is it's so bizarre to me that somebody would think that not trusting the mainstream media and the government is something like bizarre it, it, mm-hmm. like it, it's something absurd this is this is clearly fringe thought when we know for like it's been proven that the CIA the CIA has had illicit operations over the especially over the uh uh the mid to late 20th century. I mean they were mm-hmm. they were wild, dude. 60s, 70s, 80s CIA, they were nuts. They were doing crazy yeah. shit. They were they yeah. were peddling coke for guns or mm-hmm. sorry, other way around peddling guns for coke which then came into uh, the Mena Arkansas airport there was a fucking Barry Seal he was the fucking pilot who did a lot of this shit they made a movie about him yeah Bill Clinton was the governor of Arkansas at the time he was facilitating all of these things he was allowing Reagan and Reagan CIA to run drugs into Mena Arkansas uh and and give or uh yeah they were giving automatic weapons to the Sandinistas and uh that cocaine which was this was exposed by Gary Webb who um died mysteriously yes, I'll say he that sure did. um yeah. and 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 that's when the government approached from that enterprise the government approached uh Freeway Rick Ross who <laughs> oh yeah they, they yeah I mean it's 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 all like so this yeah. idea that 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 there's the idea that somebody who thinks that the government or the narrative is immoral or a lie, and that is, like, that's, hey, he's he's wild. Like, that's, like, they the people in, in, in like, if you're the guy in the family who goes, I don't believe the government and I don't believe the mainstream media, you're like, hey, that's the wild uncle. The fact mm-hmm. that the, that's the crazy uncle, it's like, where have you been? Yeah you've you've lived through uh, 30 years of fucking yeah. lies and not I know only that because I'm the crazy uncle not yet yeah, not only lies but lies that have been proven through House intelligence yeah. uh committee investigations the church and pike committees come on I mean yeah. how 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 often do these things have to be proved to where people go oh yeah maybe yeah maybe like I think there's this weird saying,
2: assumption that it happens Happened in the past and it's not right. happening anymore sure. but why the fuck would they stop like why
1: yeah nothing happened why would they to stop them.
2: it doesn't make any sense
1: nothing happened to them so if there's no, no. consequences why would they right. they stop the bad behavior
2: exactly it's on it's based on incentives just like that there there's nothing yeah. that that there's nothing that happened to them to stop them um but the thing is i think that the majority of people don't trust the mainstream narrative and there has been a significant um If you look over the past few decades, in almost any institution, all the institutions, public education, uh, medical staff, um, universities, uh, the military, which people still have a lot of trust in, but less than they used to, they all they just trend downwards for the last 50 years, the polls are on Pew Research, they just trend downwards, and people don't trust them. But the people in these social institutions who benefit from buying into the narrative, they have a direct benefit for buying into the narrative those are the people who believe in it you know often belief is like is not so much as like actually believing but you know people have two good arguments for a thing they're going to go with the one that benefits the mo- them the most 90% of the time
1: yeah it's and
2: whatever I protects th- them psychologically like you know mm. putting out of your sorry it, it broke up for a minute
1: no i keep keep going particularly about protecting Individual psychologically,
2: right. So this is another thing with the Holocaust. If you point to the Holocaust and you're like, <laughs> "The Nazis were the most evil people ever. They're bad. We are not bad." And if you, you do that, you're wrong
1: because they were soldiers of the Lord.
2: <laughs> oh fuck. Okay, his words, not mine. I'm <laughs> oh, it's all right. It's my so audience. You, it's not yours. If, yeah. No, it's. I mean, I think it's pretty much the same. I think it's okay. Um. Okay. But I, I point to um, if you point to um, shit the, the, the Nazis and you're like, these are the worst people that ever fucking existed. Here's why you have a bunch of good fucking reasons, because there are plenty of good reasons why the Nazis are bad. Right. But you you look at uh, then you look at what we do and there on the other side, there are reasons why what we do is OK. Because like, yeah, okay, we're not putting people in death camps, so we're good. But at the same time, have you seen the fucking cobalt mines in the Congo that produces our yeah. products? Have you seen like how in China they are they it's been proven by by our own government Foxconn, that they were dude. right, like and and like people killing themselves, like Nike and a few other companies, but namely Nike. Is was using and is still using slave labor from Uyghur concentration camps to produce their shoes. And when they got found out about it and there was a bill proposed in our Congress to make them stop, they lobbied against the bill and got it destroyed. So you're going to tell me that we're better than the Nazis? I mean, maybe, but are we better enough? And if there's a psychological protection... Where you can point to, you can point to the Nazis and say they were evil. We are not evil because we are not them. Because well, culture, that's... oftentimes, schismogenesis, it exists in contrast to another culture. So if you can say we're not them, we're good; they're bad. It's a dichotomy. It's it's you know good and.
1: Well, yeah that that dichotomy, evil, which which is shit. is very true. There's like the the, the you know because Americans live a very binary life. They live in a two party political system. They live by good or bad. They live by I'm hungry or I'm full. They live by I'm thirsty or I'm quenched. They live by I'm horny or I just came and I can't move. That's Mm -hmm. like that. Americans live a very binary life. That's how America has been set up. It's a consequence of extremism. Which is not always bad. Extremism is not always bad. People always assume extremism is horrible. Extremism in that's, that's directed in a, a beneficial way is the best thing that could happen to anyone ever. Extremism is what led to the American Revolution. Extremism was what led to people in the colonies expanding westward and and, and and farming and not... And by the way, there's this idea that everybody, when they went west, they just all wanted to kill Native American. No, they didn't want to just all kill... They just wanted to have their own land. And they didn't give a shit about Native Americans. If the Native Americans attacked them, most of the time they'd get fucked up. But they would attack them back, just to defend their fucking whatever. And uh, by yeah. the way, uh, from the Native American side, Native Americans, extremism. If somebody steps foot past this fucking this very spot we're gonna fucking murder them and everybody they know so it's like extremism is not always bad a lot of extremism is 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 kind of rooted into extintual uh, instinctive behavior um but what were you talking about i forget
2: i was i i pretty much finished my thought but i was talking about how having the holocaust to point to at, or as an example the holocaust to point to allows us in our culture to protect ourselves from the bad things that result. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what I was, that's
1: what I was going to go to. So there's that layer of like dichotomy, the the binary way that the Americans often see history and, and current, you know, the current world as it is, but also there's a layer of distance between Americans and the evils that allow that, that, uh, you know, provide them their substance. Absolutely. You know, nobody thinks that they are. So, so uh, there was an interesting. I was watching some. I, I forget the podcast, and I forget who said it, but uh, there was a, a survey or something. There was questions asked on the uh, people of the uh, on the street. They go, "Do you think that you are you have a slave owner mentality, or that do you think that you own a slave or something?" Everybody goes, "No." What the fuck are you talking about? You go, "You yeah, but." you know that the phone you're holding was made by a person who was enslaved. Yeah. And the you know, it's, it's, it's a thing of like indirect evil. Yeah. We, there's a lot of them, like every, probably, probably every American, even mm-hmm. homeless people has has had contact with what I would like to call indirect evil. There's I mean there's so many bad things that happen that go into making America what it is. And whether and, yeah. you whether you want to focus on the the child labor in the cobalt mines to get the lithium batteries that power electric vehicles so everybody so liberals can go I don't pollute. Right. You know or right. or or the fucking child labor that goes into making your phones, right? It doesn't matter. There's an evil that's that's happening abroad that we are so distanced from, right? Yeah. It's the layers of distance that make us feel like we're virtuous. Because pe- yeah. there, there are people, and by the way, I'm not... Right, Apple. yeah, me too. I'm not yeah. fucking, I'm I mean, not anybody... Motorola,
2: but it's the same shit. It's got the same stuff in it.
1: Right. I'm 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 no better. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to fucking, you know, speak from a, a authoritative platform. Um everybody is connected to evil in America. At, at and and probably everywhere across the world. Every civilized nation in the world is connected to evil whether directly or indirectly. And yeah. Most people, and and including myself, probably aren't ready to face the things that go into making their daily routine convenient.
2: Absolutely, I mean, if, if somebody had to go to the Congo to pick up a cell phone
1: from Dude, one of these
2: kids, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't no, do it.
1: you're right. And you're right, by the way, because like, like even. Right now. So we're we're speaking into like Zoom. We have audio interfaces. We have microphones. We have all this technology. Um, but there's hardware that goes into that. And hardware is based on a lot of minerals, <laughs> a lot of minerals. Yeah. And how are those minerals produced? Well, they're not produced here. It's not like Ohio's digging up the land. This is not the, the manufacturing yeah. and industrial revolution of of Andrew, Andrew Carnegie and and uh, Rockefeller's day. That's all abroad. And most of it right. is in Africa. And so the, the idea that, you know, people are like, oh, Chinese, they're fucking send a spy balloon. They're fucking it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. First of all, if you're if, if you're concerned yeah. about people spying on you, it's your own government because they can do a hell of a lot worse to you than the Chinese yeah. ever fucking could. And second of all, stop, stop. Yeah. You need to take a look if, if you if you really could have a, a a very clear reflection of your impact on disenfranchised people. And I'm not talking about walking past a homeless guy on the street. I'm talking about. Children in the Congo. Children mm. in South Africa. Children in uh, Nairobi. Children. Children in fucking uh, 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 Libya. Right. Uh, nobody. Yeah. G- nobody yeah. gave a shit when when Obama just literally carpet bombed the fuck out of thousands of civilians. But they went. Yeah. Ah, he smokes menthols. He's cool. He's cool. Right. He's right. Smooth. It's like glad to they he created <laughs> folks if you're anti-slavery you should hate Obama because what Obama did in Libya is create an open air slave market. He completely fucked up the country. The economy is mm-hmm. gone. And so now they have devolved back into like 1780s behavior because they had no choice. So if anybody so it's it's just like and by the way, we're connected to that and whether or not you want to be, even if you lived off the grid, you never had a phone, you have, you're still getting, you're still giving partial, um, income to the the government, yeah, which is being used to fund Obama, to just drone strike weddings and shit. So no yeah. matter And what doctors it, without
2: borders, you bomb doctors without borders. Uh,
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that.
2: <laughs> yeah, first Nobel Peace Prize winner to bomb another Nobel Peace Prize winner, unless you count Henry Kissinger, who might
1: have done it as well. Oh, God, wow. That is the first Nobel Peace Prize winner to bomb another Nobel. That, yeah. Yeah. dude, it, yeah. So it's like people would like to think they, they sit, like, I'm sitting on my couch right now, and I, you know. I bitch about the guy at CVS, and but I'm not evil. God, for I'm not evil.
2: No. I'm
1: not evil. But it's like, you're very intertwined with it. You might... Mm-hmm. And here's what I will say. I don't think people the, of America in general are evil, but they need to face the reality that they are very intertwined with it. Yeah. Global evil is so intertwined with the... Um, geopolitical behaviors of 20th century America and 21st century America
2: yeah and it's also like it's a lot of these people that did not that you know they they call themselves for social justice and I'm you know Republicans do this too but I you know people that call themselves for social justice they they tend to love Obama I, I get people with all, this all the time but they don't really you know listen to what I'm saying but you know They say they're for social justice and they're usually they usually talk about white privilege, which is key, because I'm not going to say that white privilege isn't a thing. You know, there are. Benefits that you get for being white, that's definitely true. But at the same time, there's also huge benefits that you get for being American. And if you're going to talk about white privilege and the benefits that white people get for being white and the atrocities associated with it and the, the history of racism, that's very real associated with that then I would say look inward as well and realize that you are benefiting from very similar evil things that are being perpetuated today by being an American and benefiting from everything that comes from being an American, which is a lot. It's a lot. That, that fucking piece of paper, that birth certificate, if you have it, or that naturalized citizenship, that's huge. That makes you, if you have an American citizenship, you're largely almost, you're more privileged than 80% of the world's population just based on that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. and, and, and just being born in, in wet, you know, in modern Western culture, whether it's the UK or the Scandinavian, any of those, you, you're a, you're four steps up, dude. You know, and, and the idea again, that, and this, this, you know, if we can reduce it to, uh, you know, a more, specific geographical location of america it's like the people who run around with masks on the are antifa they're they're anti-fascists and the way they stop anti-fascism is throwing a they they sling they grenade sling a fucking brick through a target window which is funny by the way that's funny I mean, <laughs> That that is funny because working at a target and seeing a brick go through the window you're like you don't even. You're not even shocked at that point. If you're working at Target for like more than two years and you see a brick come through the window, you're like, "Finally, <laughs> I've been waiting yeah. for this. This is yeah, what I yeah, wanted." Exactly. <laughs> you think you want to destroy the Target? You have no idea how much vitriol I have toward this establishment. <laughs> but the the idea that you know, especially like where I'm, i in New Jersey, and they had there was like a bunch of Upper West Side, New York. Unfathomably wealthy children running around in masks and saying, "I want to destroy the establishment." It's like, dude, what do you think you are? You are. Yeah. You are what everybody hates. Stop it. Yeah. You think you can get away with just throwing bricks through windows and we're not going to recognize you? We know what you are. You fuck. Don't. Yeah. Because guess what? When it comes down to it you're not giving up your wealth and 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 settling down with a, you know an acre in Kansas and and being self-sustainable and 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 farming and and raising cattle you're not doing that shut up you're not the fucking anti you're not the rebellion you're literally the feed that gives the system its fucking power you're not homesteading yep. you're you're paying a a, a large portion of taxes which is paid off to mili- the military industrial complex which fucking genocides people all the fucking time And so enough enough realize what you are if you want to make a change fine Mo- again move to South Dakota move to Aberdeen South Dakota move to um, move to Mobridge South Dakota move to Islip move to uh, Wichita Kansas. Right? Move outside of Omaha and start a little farm, right? Supply Never. the local community with meat and dairy. If that's what you want to do, if you want to make a difference, you being, you know, dressing in black and headbutting a fucking teenager, not really how you do it. You go and you do that it's 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 counter yeah. it's counter the idea of being like like the way you upset a government is not the french revolution that's not how you do it effectively you have to starve the government how do you starve the government you become completely unreliant on the government yeah. that's how you do it you mm-hmm. don't fucking run around you don't fucking there was a guy who was like Fucking up curbs. He had like a sledgehammer. He was just fucking up curbs. It's like, dude, what, what, what is this? What are you doing? Like, yeah, you you were just cooped up, and now you got a lot of energy because it was COVID. It's like, dude, there was not. There's nothing that you can provide of worth until you change your mindset. Yeah.
2: their socially constructed idea about what is activism and what helps. And a lot of it is virtue signaling is that this is what they're supposed to do. That's what's popular.
1: Can you talk about, and I have to pee really bad, but I'm going to have you talk about this while I pee. So there's no, I don't have to go back and edit a dead zone. So the, the idea of social construction is very interesting, but virtue signaling within social construction, virtue signaling is a very uh, interesting component of social mm-hmm. construction. What I would yeah. like you to talk about, um, and you, you know, like I said, anthropology. You have you have history, education. You have a very good grasp on how this affects human behavior. Um, how has the idea in the twenty first century version of virtue signaling affected the entire narrative of, you know, government and mainstream media social construction. And I'm going to leave to P and I'll be back in like a minute, but I would like you to, to start expanding on that.
2: Wait, I'm sorry. I want a second of that broke out. Can you explain that again?
1: So, so how has, cause there's, there's a bunch of different types of social construction. Right. You can do this. You can do that. You Like how Hitler manipulated uh, post-World War One um, people who were very upset at, at what happened. Uh, that's social construction, like how he shaped the narrative on how to sort of... Um, you know, rejuvenate Germany post-World War One. That is social construction. But there's a very mm-hmm. specific social construction, ha- constructioning happening in the Western world today, which is like that virtue signaling, that woke, mm-hmm. that, oh, I'm... I, outrage. Outrage seems to be the foundation of both of those things. And also, by the yeah. way, Hitler's post-World War One Outrage. So an outrage seems to be the foundation yeah. of it. But, like, how do you see that specific component of the woke virtue signaling outrage affecting social construction moving forward in the Western world.
2: Yeah. Okay. Got it. So, um, so even the standards by which we judge pretty much anything are socially constructed. So, when people view the idea of them being activists to towards a specific cause, uh, the, the ideas of what being an activist means, what being a good activist means, those are socially constructed. So the woke ideology is very much based on uh, racial differences. And because the idea of the woke ideology is based on racial differences, the way to virtue signal towards you being virtuous in that culture is to concentrate on racial ideas and when racial ideas are concentrated, um, when racial ideas are concentrated on, and the standards of that social construction are being seen by so the standards of what it means to be promoting racial equity, racial equality, whatever you say it, those are decided from the top down by by a social construction, the the papers where stuff like critical race theory comes from these come from top universities. They're funded by the top universities in the country. They are produced by professors, and professors are generally from the upper class of society, disproportionately so compared to other cult- um, compared to other professions. And when someone is virtue signaling, you're back. So when someone is virtue signaling, they are choosing what virtue to signal to whoever, um, to to whoever it benefits them to virtue to. So the the idea of what virtue means is itself socially constructed, because if uh, the standards by which we judge any society are socially constructed, so in our society, certain things like, uh, like politeness, um, you know, it, height is a pretty standard one. But the standards of Aztec society were like, what is virtuous in Aztec society? It's taking captives in war so that they can be sacrificed. That was yeah. th- I mean, that's really it. The way that people moved up in Aztec society, I think you became a uh what a leopard warrior or a jaguar warrior after a few kills, I think it was got, jag- not kills, but captures jaguar, jaguar warrior. So there were levels with the number of captures of enemy troops that you got, that's how you moved up in society. Our society doesn't function like that. We have other virtuous things. You get a you get a degree from Harvard, you're seen as being virtuous. That's how you're you signaling virtue. Fuck, yeah, on, super man. fucking gay. Um so even so in, in woke culture. Woke culture, I I have a lot to say about woke culture, but to me, woke culture is often prioritizing and virtueing for racial issues. And I think that there's a very specific reason for this. Because when you see the amount of racial things, uh, the amount of articles written about racial things in the New York Times, Washington Post, all the largest newspapers, it's around 2011 2012, when those start being produced a lot. And it correlates at least with uh, Occupy Wall Street, um, which was a class based system. And often what woke ideology does, it it is it prioritizes race, which deprioritizes class and income. Um, You want to take a guess for me? um, How so someone from the top 1% of the richest Americans versus someone from the poorest 20% of Americans? How likely is somebody from the poorest 20% versus somebody from the richest 1% to go to Harvard?
1: Oh, Jesus. One in... Fifty
2: six. So close. One in sixty. One in yeah. sixty. So you yeah, you're right there. So if you're a poor kid from the poorest 20% of Americans, you are 60 times less likely as someone from the richest one percent to get into Harvard. And then people from Harvard and other elite colleges, and Harvard is pretty standard amongst elite colleges, those people then um are the ones who are it's for the past 50 years, the cabinets of American presidents, only one of them has been below 50 percent from Ivy and elite colleges like MIT. Um, so, and the one that was less than 50 percent, it was H.W. Bush, It was like 46 percent from those elite colleges. So our did, system passed, like
1: passed like the least policy, too. So fuck him. Right. He was, re- he was an right. extension of Reagan.
2: He was an extension of Reagan. And then I mean I would argue that Clinton is just Blue Clinton Reagan. Clinton is also
1: but... Yeah, Clinton is also an extension of Reagan. And George W. Bush was an extension of Reagan. And Obama yeah. was and an then black extension- Reagan. Yeah, yeah. There was Black there was Blagon, dude. <laughs> yeah. Blagan. Blagan. That's right. Continue. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. Uh no, no,
2: you're good. Um so the idea of what um uh, the the entire socially constructed system that we have over like the past 50 years has changed a lot to the point where even um activism is is socially constructed and what is acceptable activism and like it, it look if you look at the 60s like mlk is getting arrested Mal- Malcolm X is like Running away because the, the, the died, FBI wants to fuck dude. him up. Yeah, they um, die. You know, Malcolm X. The FBI,
1: running. the they FBI, died. fucking. Yeah. Killed what happened him? to Colin so, Na- Kaepernick?
2: Right. I and Colin Kaepernick makes I, more money being right. an activist right. than he did when yeah, he was a quarterback. There was never, there was there's never money.
1: I mean, there was popularity and influence in activism back when it was true activism, but there was never like direct money flow. Um, now there's direct money flow in activism. Like there is, mm-hmm. there is a clear and concise, it, this money yeah. went to this person and it was transferred by this bank. Like it's, it's so mm-hmm. crystal clear that, uh, activism yeah. has become a form of, of, uh, you know, capitalistic entrepreneurship and it's, yeah. it's bizarre.
2: And then people are on the side of like what has been socially constructed in their minds by these images that are pushed out by popular media of hippies in the 60s. Yeah. They're like they they support these policies that are completely in line with like, you know, the people who are in charge of capital, the people who have access to the money like they're they got like end racism on fucking football helmets and the richest people in the country are doing it. It's not real activism. Real activists are they're 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 getting fucked up because of what they're doing. Nelson Mandela was in prison for 10 years. Bobby Sands died of a hunger strike. Martin Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, they get assassinated. Colin Kaepernick is on the cover of Time magazine.
1: Fred Hampton, all of these significant people who who carved the way for, uh, you know, for equality. It's like they're dead, dude. They had nothing. Yeah, they stonewall
2: gays got beat the fuck up. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it is hilarious where when you see on the field of of you know an NFL game there it's like end racism in the in the end zone it's like you're saying end racism and and this is an industry promoting it that enriches black people more than like it's it's nuts dude it's it is yeah. it's it's so like if if. If any other – like, this is why people are shocked when other countries look at America and go, you're fucking dumb. This is why it's hilarious because it's like – and I love this because I always – like, a lot of uh, white liberal people in America, they love to go, I'm going to go travel. I'm going to culture myself. I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go to fucking (laughs) – I'm going to go to Europe, and I'm going to go to Eastern Europe, and I'm going to go to Mediterranean, and I'm going to go – and then they go there and their people are racist as shit. <laughs> I love that because yeah. you, go to, you go to Eastern Europe, they're like, fuck black people. That's what they, they literally like all of them. Yeah, it's nuts, dude. And yeah. they're like, and what they hate the Roma too. Yeah, dude. Yeah. They hate, they hate Western Europeans. They hate, oh, like yeah. they hate, oh, like yeah. and, and they're like, what? what do you mean? They go to, they go to Greece. They're like, we hate black people, dude. We hate anybody who has any bit of color in them bye it's like and then they like come back and it's like oh we're, we're going to go to the middle east right Yeah. we're going to go to the middle east we've we've been bombing the shit out of the middle east for no reason for decades we're going to go there and we're going to see the culture and we're going to and they're like yeah women dude don't ever fucking talk back to me don't ever fuck i'll beat the shit out of you if you talk back to me and they're like uh oh. and then they come back and it's like yeah all everybody everywhere is racist all the time. Everybody everywhere is racist all the time. Have you heard the inter-Asian racism? It's nuts, dude. The Chinese hate every other Asian. The Filipinos want to kill every single Japanese person that is living. Pretty much every
2: Asian wants to kill all the Japanese.
1: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Every asian korea vietnam laos ja- japan they think that they think of the filipinos as sort of like how, how like how we think of the mexicans they're like they're the mexicans of asia mm-hmm. it's like dude the, every so there's this idea yeah. that that in america because people in america again they live in a very uh they live in a bubble and so they think that Racism is like a Western culture thing. It's like yeah. you have no fucking idea. Seriously. Wait until wait until you go to fucking dude. Wait until you go to like uh uh Romania. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh. Oh,
2: no! Oh yeah. no no no! Like but but no here's idea. the thing: they don't they don't recognize it in the same way because they they look at racism but they have a very specific term for racism. And they're talking about racism between the what the American version of races is, which is like white people, which wasn't a race until very recently, black people, Asians. It's like in these boxes, whereas racism in other countries is more specific. And that's how it was in a lot of different places because the conception of race is socially constructed. And then what's happened recently is they've redefined racism as something that- um,
1: Only white people can do, yes.
2: Is something that only, it's prejudice plus power, they say. It's like somebody who is uh, a racist, it, it, it can only be white to black or white to BIPOC. And they try to, you know, throw the Asians out of the, in with the white people sometimes now. But, um uh do they you know where the term racism know, Asians, actually comes from?
1: No, I was yeah. just going to say, exactly. shout out to Asians. Yeah. When you are starting to get accused of racism, that's how you know you made it. Mm-hmm. You're doing well, Asians. Keep going. I made you it. Might... Great job. <laughs> you Keep might get it. to you might get to white one day. Who knows?
2: Making more than the whites.
1: Yeah, you're doing a lot better <laughs> than us, dude. We, like all the white um, the whites did. It's like the whites enslaved Africans and uh and then had Jim Crow laws, and that's how ke- that's how like we kept black people down for the longest time. The whites we kept ourselves down with like. Opioids, <laughs> fucking, you know we we were we recognize hey hey minorities we recognized our own white supremacy and decided to keep ourselves down and less influential by becoming addicted to toxic substances. You're welcome.
2: Yes, you're welcome. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> fucking welcome. Um, gosh, I have one last thing to say on that. What, you what were, was it? Uh,
1: something about Asians doing Oh, well.
2: what? What does? What do you think the? Uh, the? Where do you think the term racism comes from?
1: Oh, a race to the top.
2: I don't know. So have you ever heard of the guy? Um, uh, what's his fucking name? Um, have you ever heard of the of the the phrase "save the Indian, kill the man"? No. or I'm sorry, kill the Indian, save the man. No. Early 20th century there's this famous quote that says kill the indian save the man and what it was about was uh assimilating native americans into white american culture. And the guy that coined the term racism was referring to native americans who it's the same guy who said kill the indian save the man which is viewed as a very racist thing today which you know it is. But that guy coined the term racism for native americans who didn't want to assimilate into white culture. That's what the term racism originally described. Somebody who is obsessed with their race, so they don't want to assimilate into another culture.
1: Oh, very interesting. So it was a... Yeah. Oh. So it's like the term racism actually would have... Like, technically, if you, you know, break everything down to the foundation of the word racism, you know, Native Americans being racist would actually be good for woke agenda. People being Mm -hmm. racist would be good. Right.
2: That they would promote that because and I would promote it, too, because it's like, you know, people sticking with what they want to do. You don't want to force people to do stuff. That's kind of the bottom line of pretty much all of this. Yeah. Stop trying to fucking force people to do shit. Just leave us the fuck alone.
1: Yeah, that is interesting because there's a libertarian uh, aspect to that where it's like, you know, I don't want to assimilate. I just want to do what I want to do. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Racism is good now, folks, uh, just yeah, ba- yeah. now that we, as soon as we, I publish this episode, racism will be good and yes. that's good. So keep being racist Racism is a positive thing. Yes.
2: And this actually, my, my most recent episode is on the impact of native American ideology on the ideas of freedom. And, uh, there's a lot of evidence in there that's, um, you know, when you have the Enlightenment, right, the Enlightenment is when uh, Europeans decides John Locke, Rousseau, uh, Hobbes, who's the worst one, fuck that guy. Um, he was the one who was all about, like, promoting government control. But um, basically, like, the ideas of the Enlightenment don't come out until Europeans start colonizing the Americas, and they have done it for a few hundred years. And in the 1700s, the 1800s, and the, these are some bullet points, there's a lot more evidence for this uh there were thousands of white americans fleeing to join the native americans willingly because they didn't like living in white society um and there was a lot of there was a lot of uh uh discussion between our founding fathers and native americans and other americans and native americans colonials and native americans um and and at the time like as opposed to the Eurasian model of governance, which is very top down structured hierarchy, you know, serfdom. This is the time of absolutism in France. So you have this guy fucking Rousseau who's living in absolutist France, they have a fucking sun king, which is the same title, the Aztec God that was dropping bodies off of a fucking pyramid had. (laughs) That's the same title as this guy. Yeah. That's the guy who decides like, he has a quote where he's like, oh, At one point, human beings were equal, and then something happened to change that situation. Why the fuck would that guy think that that human beings were equal when all he ever knew was hierarchy? And then what you have is East Coast Native Americans. And in East Coast Native Americans, they, um, at least the Northeast, they had Satrams. And Satrams are essentially big men. And what a big man is, if if anyone's ever taken an anthropology class, they, they will have seen something called Onga's Big Mocha, probably. And A big man is a type of leader that is very common in uh, traditional societies and hunter gatherer societies. And these are men that lead entirely by people being willing to follow them. So they don't have any sort of structure of like they're not like official kings. They don't have the power to kill their subjects. They don't have this shit. They just have to convince people to follow them, and because they're so virtuous and they are going to lead them well, people follow them. If people don't want to follow them anymore, they stop following them. So, they follow someone
1: else. Yeah. It's so complete voluntarianism. So yeah, there was there's a famous or not famous, but a, a, a historically um, prevalent Native American leader during the expansion westward by the colonists who ruled in that way. His name was Tecumseh. Tecumseh was in, uh, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, what he, what Tecumseh tried to do was establish, uh, a a united Indian nation against, uh, the, uh, colonists. And they actually paired, they, they, they coupled with Britain from the West, uh, to attack settlements during the revolutionary war and, uh, Daniel Boone there's everybody knows about Daniel Boone right mm-hmm. they've heard of, of of the Daniel Boone they, they wear the Daniel Boone hat with the raccoon tail um, his settlement was attacked by uh, a Native American tribe who was led by a man named Blackfish uh, kind of right before the uh, Tecumseh took hold and, and started Establishing a a, a more well organized front on the western half of the Revolutionary War, which was coupling with the the, the Brit the the Brits the fucking dumb Brits at the time, um, and coats. yeah those fucking dumb gap tooth cunts lobster uh, fucking yeah dude fuck I I still hate the British dude I'm fucking angry um <laughs> no and so there's this idea that like. Again, and this is this is the like the unipolar message sent to people about Native American history and and leadership throughout history. Like what you were speaking to, there's different types of leadership as well. What you were speaking to completely uh, encapsulated how Tecumseh uh, led the United Indian Nations to war against uh, the American colonists. Now he lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: just, it's like the Native American verse in Getterix. It worked out the same way, unfortunately.
1: Right. But there's, yeah, and there's, a, so the the same way that we have a fucking kind of ridiculous idea of what hierarchy has been throughout history, we also have a kind of slanted and ridiculous uh, and skewed idea of what leadership has been throughout history. You know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. and And honestly, it's, it's, this type of leadership is not just in Native America. That own this big mocha, that guy's in Papua New Guinea. You can find this this style of leadership, this big men style of leadership. You can find it everywhere from traditional Celtic societies, um, to Native American societies to, to fucking Papua New Guinea to it, it, basically everywhere. It, it wouldn't seems like a more um it so many evidence.
1: I was I feel like the Irish You know, because big big man doesn't necessarily represent like stature; it just represents how well or how effective they can lead without establishing um, rigid positions within a societal hierarchy. I get what you're saying, but Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be funny? Because Celtic, like, wouldn't it be funny if the Irish just based only based their leadership on how big somebody was? Because that's what the Irish would do. They're like, he's. They're like, we got to go to war. We got to fucking you know southern island they're like we they're fucking the british they're coming in here we got to fucking fight him and they're like i don't know what to do and he's like they go he's pretty fucking big
2: <laughs> yeah We, we got some andre the giant ass motherfucker who's like lifting those big ass Scottish yeah. stones that they had yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That he's, guy.
1: and he's developmentally delayed so they're like he's <laughs> pretty big what what do you want to do and he's like let's just give him north yeah. and they're like we gotta give him north now let's just do it <laughs> Yeah. Northern Ireland. And he uses his
2: fucking retard strength to smash up all the English guys. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They thought the first IRA bomb that went off in London was a, you know, an IED. But actually, all it was was him just punching a fucking car window. And that was <laughs> enough to set off a fucking, <laughs> uh, a, you know, a weapon of war toward England.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. The
1: big man, like, yeah, that is a very interesting theory. The big man theory, like the person, the person who can just garner enough support.
2: Yeah. So, but deeper than that. So the way that we think about leadership and the way that we think about everything permeates, uh, permeates our culture. So if you live in a society where the style of leadership that they have is you only follow somebody who you want to follow, what other implications does that have on the society on thinking? and uh let, let me read you a quote here actually a, a quote from this guy named candy Rock, who is sometimes uh, cited um as uh as as like a, a an, another enlightenment thinker basically or influencing the enlightenment thinkers his, his idea um i am master of my own body i have the absolute disposal of myself i do what i please i am the first and the last of my nation i fear no man and i depend only upon this great spirit Whereas your body, as well as your soul, are doomed to a dependence upon your great captain. He's talking about the Sun King, Louis. Wow. So, like, you know that—that's number one. It's incredible oratory skill, which is something that you need if you're going to convince people of things. And so, by the
1: way, that was yeah. that was a uh, translation. So, Lord knows what was missed. Just so we know, like, it's probably a hell of a lot more beautiful um, if you understand the language than it is translating it to English. Because we know that a lot of translations have sort of, uh, you know, stagnated or staccatoed the um, elegant nature of the original language. And a lot of that happened in the Bible, by the way. Bible's fucked. King James Version... Okay, Catholics, you will you can have it. Not for me.
2: The Catholics don't like the King James Version. That's a Protestant version, I think. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm a good yeah, Protestant
1: yeah. boy. That's why I know the <laughs> King James Version. I'm not a like, dumb yeah. Catholic. I'm not raping kids. Everybody who's everybody Catholic like, rapes kids all the time, everywhere. Okay, go ahead. Okay,
2: yeah, I'm raping one right now. Good. Not really, yeah. Um, yeah what did he so do to deserve it? He's a fucking Protestant.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, so uh, like the shit I had, I had something else to say it was semi related that I wanted to get well, out you Oh saw
1: the big man theory and how we perceive leadership Yeah and the, how yeah yeah it's, it's not only just garnering support
2: Right 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 so you know the culture that that we're that we're in and that even they were in back then who becomes a leader is socially constructed and it's much less socially constructed in these native American societies who people decide to follow is based on like, you know, for the Apache who are in the great plains, horsemanship is really valued. They're not going to value the Algonquins in new England. They're not going to value horsemanship because they don't, it's a forest. They can't fucking use horsemanship. They value different things, but like just the fact that you're, you follow who you want to follow is, um, is, is what they do. And that's, there's that permeates the whole culture because it's people are when people have the choice of who they can follow there's a lot more freedom involved like you're not a slave to any social construct you're not like there's no like deserting from a country or defecting and then they kill you when they find out as a traitor or something it doesn't happen there's no conscription into war service because they're not going to force anybody to do anything like that you know, yeah. there, there might be social customs which would make it really good for you to do it and maybe bad for you if you don't, but it's not direct in the way that, you know, these layers of social construction that we get over thousands of years, like, essentially, English society is is built on, you know, thousands of years of social construction, because like, it's not like the influences of the Romans never left, there wasn't a break in a continuity. That whatever they had, the new layers of social construction were built on top, and the traces of those are still there. And that's why you know there's influences of you know we use anno domini for the years that we do, even if you change to what is, even what if is you that? change from AD what to is, Common Era.
1: Oh, anno domini is the is a year okay. Okay. All right, yeah, gotcha.
2: Yeah, and even if you change to Common Era, you're still using the birth of
1: Jesus Christ. It's still in. Yeah. In there. So wh- here's yeah. what I'd like to talk to you about. Because um, this is a big, you know, it's not discussed openly quite as much anymore. But it is a it, it is the foundation to a lot of our political strife, um, and our social, um, you know, our social qualms, um, is hierarchy itself. The existence of a hierarchy in society. There's a lot of people who believe that uh, society can exist without hierarchy. There's a belief amongst many, um, you know, 99.99% of them are on the left. Uh, There's this idea that we can rid ourselves of hierarchy altogether and exist on an equal plane all the time. And that's what is fueling the push for equity as opposed to equality of opportunity. Um, and so my question to you is, somebody who, who you know has studied the social sciences for years now and, and not only just in traditional uh, education, somebody who's clearly taken it upon themselves to... to you know read what they didn't have to and 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 go outside of that is you know is there a even slight possibility that people could live without hierarchy and then two the second question is would we even want that would a completely hierarchic or hierarchy less society look good or would it look more like a camp in Soviet Russia? Um, have you ever heard of a guy named Pol Pot? Yep.
2: Yeah. So here's how you get rid of hierarchy. You do what
1: Pol you Pot be did. be Asian. Just be Asian. In the Asian. entire world. You just be Asian. That's how you get rid of it. Yeah. It.
2: Number one be asian no hierarchies actually the opposite is completely true those people are obsessed with hierarchies they are they never had a, a, a great plague yeah
1: <laughs> yeah dude yeah. you think There's, the fucking it, yeah. the whites have hierarchies boy oh boy have you been mistaken you've yes. you have completely missed out on how the chinese view people dude they're yeah. nuts they by the way they start hierarchy young you get great you get a bad grade in grade school good luck Good luck. Yeah, seriously. And that's why they're succeeding, by the way. Right, but
2: I mean, that's based on the values in their society and today, the values that they have, uh, they work for them, it works for them in the modern society. Um, But the way that you remove hierarchy is like, okay, so in the Native American societies that I'm talking about, you could argue that these societies were without hierarchy or at least a rigid hierarchy yeah but it's not like there's not differences between people but there's no um there are differences between people but each of them is viewed basically equal there are differences in status but that doesn't translate into access to different amounts of material possessions in a lot of ways so i mean there's no chance that there's no hierarchy i don't think but if you're dealing with a place where you have the freedom to leave and um, things are generally pretty materially equal, which they are in societies that don't think of material uh, wealth in the same way we do. There's so many tangents I can go off on. Much, I talk much about like Native Americans. And hours.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no. So and, and so, the thing is what I've I, yeah. and tell me if I'm wrong, what I've noticed, especially with Native Americans, if if you don't have rigid hierarchy or status, what you do end up having is very rigid societal roles now they might not value anyone or now obviously there's a leader there's always going to be a leader but they might like if you know below the leader they might have an equal plane of 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 valued members of that society but they have very very rigid and specific roles so it's like the 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 less you um the less you 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 uh, what do you what would you call it the less you pay attention to or put emphasis on hierarchy the more you end up putting on a uh, very specific societal roles you know well it's right so part of that is just because
2: like in most traditional societies there are like gender roles age roles things like that um but when you're in a society in a traditional society that that like the human brain recognizes the magic number is like 150 faces, right? So when you're in a group of people that is more than 150 people, larger people, what you need, unfortunately, is a social construction to organize those people in a certain way. And what happens with social constructions is once you create those social constructions, they will number one, they'll perpetuate themselves, they'll change the way that like, which in whichever way it happens. Um, And they'll try to grow larger, which they generally do. Um, but once you have a social construction, you now have a hierarchy because the people in charge of that social construction who have power over it, they're going to expand that power. Um, and sometimes social constructions kind of go out of control. I mean, the, the Ottoman Sultan, he killed the Janissaries because of that. He 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 killed all of them. The Janissaries had been, they were slave Christians who were soldiers of the Ottoman Empire. At some point in what the 1800s, The Sultan just had them all killed because they were too powerful. Mm. Um, But what I'm saying is, unless you're Pol Pot, unless you're willing to destroy all of the social institutions possible. And by the way, even with Pol Pot, he created his own social institutions, which had 100% control over everything. So somebody has to take control, which is, you know, why communism always fails, because someone has to take control, someone has to create a social structure to destroy all the other social construction structures. And then that social construct then takes on a mind of its own. And then you go to a situation where you have someone like Lenin, who's on his deathbed, who wasn't really that great himself, who's saying, anybody but Stalin, anybody but Stalin. But the way that the social construction had created itself, Stalin was able to get to the top and nobody was able to do anything about it because that social construction was created the way it was. So really, I mean, the only way, like, if we get blasted back to the fucking Stone Age, then hierarchy goes away, maybe, if people are able to really let go of the social constructions and live more no, closely it, to the way that people did.
1: I don't think, at some, in some way, if we were blasted back to the Stone Age, a hierarchy would be more prevalent because the hierarchy would move from the values that persist today, which is money and, and power and influence, to survival it would go back to Darwinism this is what I mean this is why I asked you I was like I'm not entirely sure hierarchy can ever not exist because if we reduce ourselves back to our simplest nature the hierarchy becomes survivalist it's always fucking and the and by the way the women are going to fuck the guy who can survive it's always there's always somebody better than somebody else Mm -hmm. and I'm not entirely sure there can be a society that exists without somebody being better than somebody else. I don't think it can work because, uh, you know, if, if we're being honest, it's just a universal truth that some people are born better at things than other people. It's just Mm -hmm. what it is. You know what I'm bad at? You know what I'm really bad at? Podcasting one, but two, (laughs) you know what I'm bad at being black because I'm not black. You know who's better at being black than me? A black guy. It's all, Any you can all yeah. no matter where it goes, you can all, like, it's just what it is. So this idea As soon of, as you create those standards.
2: Yeah. As soon as you create the standard of black is good, then you're like, yeah, you suck at it. Well, I don't want I would
1: never create that standard. Okay? <laughs> I want to make that very clear to my audience right. that I would never yep. do that. Me too um yeah i just don't think and and you know and it, by the way the, the you know you're saying as soon as you create that standard standards are created based on societal need so mm-hmm. most of the time um you know sometimes when society it, yeah. societies become very they have a, an abundance of resources and they're living very convenient and comfortable lives They create uh, values that aren't necessarily so beneficial to the society that they are living in, much like we see today. However, the baseline uh, uh, formulation of a standard is usually based on a need, and so standards are created based on needs. So usually, usually, the person who is considered better at something that matters actually is beneficial to the to the society as a whole so that is you know again that's another layer to hierarchy it's it's also who's who's benefiting the most people for the longest period of time right you know you could say bill gates bill yeah. gates is a psychopath and he's poisoning the world and i truly believe that however yes. And he's probably a pedophile. He's... Dude, he... Dude, you see him walk around in polos. It looks like he's storing a child in his shirt. Fat fuck. Um, I gotta lose some pounds, though. Um, (laughs) I'm not gonna absolve myself of being a little overweight. Um, No, but he... The idea that his inventions in the early 21st century, late 20th century, didn't benefit mankind exponentially... Uh, is also like, so it's, it's just who is, there's a reason why people move up to the, to the top. It's because society creates standards that will be beneficial to the most people at any given time. And some people fulfill those standards. Some people. In theory, f- Yeah. Right. Yeah. In theory. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times it happens. And then a lot of times it happens in a weird twisted and, um, Socially constructed way, Uh, you know. It's it's take example food, food. You know the idea that that preservatives and chemicals have preserved food and and you know maximized output of food to feed the most people. If you just hear that on its surface, you go, wow. You can feed the most people all – you can feed every person at – like, you know, you're producing this much a day, and we're making sure that people, don't, you know, they go hungry. They don't go hungry. But the fact of the matter is then you look deeper and say, oh, the chemicals, though, they're causing cancer. And so it's like, yes. Yeah. And you know, so there's 60% of the
2: country is overweight. Like, 40 is obese.
1: 75 – or no, no, no. Yeah, 75% of Americans have traces of Roundup in their piss. So – Yeah. So it's it's but also, you know, so there's again, the standards are created and sometimes they're reached from a very twisted way, like, you know, big, big food, big pharma. But, you know, but standards are still created and they're going to be fulfilled one way or another. And that's, again, another layer of creating societal hierarchy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. It is. And it's it's people picking the standards at which they view as what is beneficial to society, because, I mean, it it always has to whatever's beneficial. Someone has to decide what's beneficial. What's beneficial to the Aztecs is not beneficial to us. Right.
1: Well, throwing children's heads down a temple. You know, not always, you know, it's I listen, I (laughs) think it's great. I think it's great, but not everybody does. You know, no. Tom you know who Hawking? does think it's great?
2: Who? There, there was a school in California that, as part of a curriculum to teach about uh, in indigenous indigenous peoples and uh, other histories, a uh, a classroom of kids was instructed to chant a prayer to the sun god of the Aztecs. That's.
1: Did they sacrifice? Which uh, that
2: the Aztecs would sacrifice people to.
1: An effigy of a child?
2: Uh, No, but you know where they did do that at. You know where they
1: did that at. Bohemian Grove. Shout out Bohemian Alex Jones. Bohemian fucking Grove. We were, by the way, and this is... Shout out o- Moloch. Sh- yeah, Moloch. Yeah, Moloch. Fucking owl. What a gay fucking animal. Babylonian
2: owl god.
1: Yeah, dude. Fuck fucking owls. ridiculous. Owls look fucking weird, dude. I fucking hate yeah. owls. Um, listen, we're going to round... Jesus, we're gonna round it up here. Um, don't round ever up. think Perfect. you're gonna find yourself outside of a hierarchy. You're gonna be in it. My suggestion is to find your way to the top, right? Don't try to skirt it because you're never gonna skirt it. You're never gonna circumnavigate societal hierarchies. Just move your way up to the top. And if you can't, shoot up a school. I don't. You know, whatever. Um, <laughs> owls are gross. And uh, the natives have a lot more of a nuanced and complex history than what is taught in school. So that was the summation of I, what I think we talked about. Um, mm-hmm. Tell everybody where they can find you and and you know I I uh, I haven't seen a ton of your work. I, I just like before our episode we, I started getting into it. Um, you know the idea of somebody standing up, to the education system is very, um, it's important. There's, there needs to be more people like you who go, this is not, you know, I'm interested in, in real, um, you know, contextualized, historically accurate education and, uh, uh, you know, an accurate analysis of, of society and anthropology. And so what I think what you did is, is, um, it's, it's, it's worthy of, of praise and, and worthy of, of, of repeating. So, um, I thank you for coming on and tell everybody where they can find you in your great work. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you for having me. Honestly, I really appreciate uh, yeah, this course. opportunity. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm mainly most active on Twitter and my podcast Twitter is ill, ill, like the beastie boys underscore scholar uh podcast is illegitimate scholar. Again, I'm going to send Zach uh, my links so we can yep. share them. Uh, I'm also on YouTube illegitimate scholar just started that, but um, it's, you know, I'm going to be doing more YouTube stuff in the future. Um Yeah. Yeah. If you have anything to ask, anything to say, let me know. Um, I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Go follow him. Don't be a fag. Um, You know, and I, you know, I don't know what, do you ever do like a, a, a like a niche history, like a, a niche history like segment or podcast or something where you go into like very weird pockets of history have you ever done that um
2: not necessarily because
1: i have found some weird facts throughout history and i would like to maybe you and i you and i would be good on like a niche history podcast where we talk about something that's not usually talked about you know i do like there was, I there in like uh, Scotland at one point, like one year, just a, a randomly a bunch of fucking sheep's died, and nobody knows why they died, either. and it's like you know, it's it's just f- like those weird things in history. It'd be fun to cover them, but yeah, uh, yeah. For now, go follow him, and um, yeah, I, I thank you for coming on.
2: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I had a great fucking time. That was great, and uh, yeah, I'd love to. Talk about that fucking idea. That sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Um, folks, Illegit- Ill- illegitimate scholar, illegitimate um, scholar, and the unfit statesman. Fucking perfect. And the unfit statesman. Yep. Um, go to my Patreon. Go to Unjected. We're shouted out on the Alex Jones podcast. Come on, what the fuck? Are you? I'm I'm big timing now, folks. Don't be bitchy. Go over there. Hell yeah, brother. Um, and uh, yeah, stay tuned. We're gonna be back next week. With another you, Probably a solo episode But we'll find out And um, listen, I love you You love me And you love Sam And we're all fucking each other all the time And that's good It's good to, yeah And we're drawing blood We're getting blood out of it mm-hmm. We're stretching each other out And that's what life is all about, Sam To stretch one another out
2: you fucking get it. Those are the standards by which we should be judging our social construction.
1: And that's how we'll end it. How
2: much we're stretching
1: people out. Thank you.